Welcome to Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're two best friends entering the world of true crime. We'll be sharing the stories of some of the worst and wildest true crime cases in history and we're taking you along for the ride. In this episode, we're looking at the murders of Nanny Doss or the Giggling Granny. We have a confession to make. <laughs> Something terrible happened. I'm so sorry. We were so distracted when we got here. And to be fair, this is the first time it's ever happened in three seasons. But basically, the laptop wasn't properly plugged into the audio interface. I also didn't do a line check because it normally automatically updates and it. And we do it every time. And we do it every time and it's normally fine. So basically, today's episode is going to be through the laptop microphone. So it sounds bad. It sounds It <laughs> sounds like I'm in a tin can in the corridor. Well, I sound okay. Helen sounds great. Danny's in the background <laughs> though, just doing her thing. So apologies we will not be offended if you can't stand it it's not terrible it's like it could be worse and i'm i must say i'm sat quite far away from the laptop it, helen's in front of it but i'm sat a decent distance away with my own laptop which wasn't recording anything so yeah i'm quite impressed that it picked up as much of me as it did because i am prone to mumbling yeah that's the yeah, race yeah, that makes yeah. sense yeah don't mumble david like, well, you are prone to mumbling. We mustn't mumble. Um, I, I do. But, you know, this is part of the journey. We've been producing ourselves for the first time. And, like, producer Alex would never have let this happen. But we don't have her. And I think it's... I genuinely feel like we've done so well to get this far without any major fuck-ups. And um, well, so, here we go. But, you know, you can... It's a lol, isn't it? It's a giggle. I, to be fair, like, so when people start their podcasts... Their audio is always dog shit. So we're, we've got just, dog shit audio from, uh, the, you know, towards yeah, later. Yeah, so, exactly. We um, just kept you on tenterhooks for shit audio. Yeah, all right. We're just mixing things up. Anyway, the content is great, though. Yeah, we, we don't want to, we were like, oh, we could. Re- there's no point in re-recording it because it's all about reaction, isn't it? So yeah. So the whole fucking point is just lost then. Um, it won't so, be the same if we re-record no, it. No, it definitely would not. So we're, we're just going to put, we're just going to like put it in now. We hope you enjoy it. So, and sorry. And sorry, sorry once again. But, yes. you know, it's, it's what it is. What you going to do about it? When I saw the giggling granny, I don't know why this was the first thing that came to my head. But, you know, in one of the most recent Toy Stories, there's that monkey with the symbols. You know them clapping oh, monkeys yeah. with the big teeth? Yeah. That just came into my head because like grinning and like giggling and like ah like circus style, oh almost God. a bit uh, American Horror Story like the giggling, yeah, <laughs> like oh God. Um, like I just have in my head like it sounds like the giggling granny sounds like something out of like Goosebumps. Yeah, and I'm afraid that it's going to be worse. It's actually not too bad. Like um, we'll get into it, but yeah. it's not as. It's not as bad as you think. It doesn't take much for me, though. Um, no. Do you remember Goosebumps? Yeah, of course everyone, I do. Everyone, everyone at school was always like, oh, yeah, like this one, what was it? Escape to Horrorland. Where, escape from Horrorland. Why would you escape to somewhere? And I had that computer game, Escape from Horrorland. Couldn't finish it because, it, A, it was difficult, but, B, it was a bit scary. And then 
I remember there was a Give Yourself Goosebumps book. <gasps> what? <laughs> I used to love those. You know when it's like, to turn right, go to page 42. Oh, cool. To, to, to go through the trap door, go to page 68, and then you'd get to like page 68 and be like, you go through the trap door, and then there's a monster, and it kills you, and you're dead. Go back to the beginning. You know what? Like, those Bam. things like, blow my mind that someone was able to write that yeah. and like figure the logistics of it. The like, logistics of it. Oh, makes, oh, it how'd you write this? It genuinely ah, makes me feel sick. Yeah. Like, think about it and be like okay well I went there and I went there and oh god oh god yeah yeah but I and it was so stupid because this one it was like something to do with a house and then it was near a cemetery and it was something on like the gravestones were moving around or something like that but I kept dying in the book and it just I gave myself I didn't just give myself goosebumps I gave myself fucking nightmares for ages and I had to stop reading it I remember watching an episode of Goosebumps and running out of the living room crying and I, I remember it because my mum was on the phone in the hallway probably before mobiles so you had to stand by the phone <laughs> and, the I, and I was like pulling on the telephone cord like ah, 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 like just like because my sisters were watching Goosebumps and I was too obviously too small and innocent to watch it but it fucking terrified me and I just remember running out that game this is going way back so um, I did have this conversation I think it was with my brother and my sister the other day where okay you know when people are like talk about getting off the phone so that they could use the internet like we're not joking oh yeah like, that was actually a thing yeah and like, was it why and like because the phone line the internet came through the phone line yeah and it, they were like what uh, you guys are young hang on wait 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 before you continue for any of those that have forgotten what it sounds like this is going to give you a blast of the past <laughs> And now what am I saying? Yeah, and it, it would be like if that didn't, it went on for too long. You'd be like, oh fuck, yeah, oh, fuck. gotta start again, gotta start again, like, reboot the modem, yeah, blah, blah, blah. right. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we crack on? It is 1953 in Oklahoma, USA. A man named Samuel Doss is repeatedly complaining of being unwell, terrible upset stomach and cramps, seeking help from his doctor who can't seem to work out the problem and he's spending quite a lot of time in hospital. Okay. When he finally recovers, he returns home to his loving wife that fixes him up some stewed prunes and a cup of coffee. The next day, he's dead. With his doctor extremely concerned with this turn of events an autopsy is ordered enough arsenic to kill 10 people is found in his system and all heads turn to his wife oh my god her prunes and about to be discovered her chilling past her name is nanny doss so let's go back to the beginning oh my god so is her name actually nanny that's her nickname okay so you're about to find out that she was Born Nancy Hazel on the 4th of November 1904 in the Blue Mountain in Blue Mountains, Alabama, which is now part of Anniston. We're going to call her Nanny because that's what everyone calls her. I found it quite confusing because at first I would call my grandparents Nanny. Nanny. Yeah. Nanny. 
And what was quite interesting is when I spent when I lived up in Yorkshire, which I spent most of my younger childhood, people just thought I was dead posh when I talk about my nanny because they thought I had a nanny. Really? Oh, oh, you got a nanny? I went, no, my nap. Oh, my grandma. Like my nanny's coming to visit, or I'm going to see my nanny, and they thought I was dead posh because I had a nanny. No one up no one in Yorkshire calls it. Well. Where I lived in Yorkshire, called it nanny, as in your grandma. Because I'd never really heard nanny, nanny, until we moved here. I think it might be a Norfolk thing. Well, well this it, sort of. Yeah, I don't know, like a yeah. Nanny least, Maureen and nanny Pat. I heard. Cause, well, because nan, I've heard nan. Yeah. Nan. Nan. Nanny. Nanny. Yeah, I don't nanny. know. Nanny. <laughs> you got nanny. the A's got going. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, nanny. Right. So. She was um, one of five. She had four siblings, a brother and three sisters. And her father was abusive and both Nanny and her mother hated him. So he would work them really, really hard on the farm to the point where he actually took Nanny out of school so she could work, which severely impacted her academia. So she basically had no education. So the only thing that she was kind of qualified to do was work on a farm and work in a household like very domestic domesticated you didn't really have you know i guess if this was an early, education. early 18th century like there wasn't really much else for women to aspire yeah. to either no was there like there wasn't a mu- really much opportunity for even educated like basically educated women yeah to, exactly to go any further than the, the home yeah um The next thing that happened in her life, which was quite significant, was at the age of nine, the family took a train to go visit relatives and the train had an abrupt stop. I think there was animals on the train tracks and it just halted the brakes. She went flying and she smacked her head on a pole. Well, some sources say it was a metal pole, some say it was a buggy, but she smacked her head and that basically impacted her for the rest of her life. So that would cause terrible headaches migraines it was even said that it caused her to have depression so also because of this head injury her future self would blame some of her behavior on this injury but oh, okay it did have a lasting effect on her though like the impact of this pole on wherever it was from this train accident so but that quite it's quite significant in the story i suppose that's one of those things right you know and we always talk about this that's like the flap of the butterfly wing isn't it like that that one thing something had to go on if that train had been two minutes late or like you know a few minutes early or whatever it was that was caused the train to stop happened like a minute later or the cattle was five minutes later yeah, crossing the like, train tracks then she wouldn't have bumped her head and like this wouldn't have happened like you know, sliding doors, like, whoa, 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 whoa. All of these stars had to align for that to happen. I don't know whether whether the impact would have caused enough damage for her to behave the way that she did, but we shall see. What You know, from from her actions, we can come back to this and see what you think. Yeah, okay. So, a little later into her childhood, Nanny really... This made me laugh, thinking of you. Got into her mum's romance novels. <laughs> okay. And I, I yeah, was just thinking, I wonder if they were anything well. like your ones. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. No, it's okay, because mine are all on Kindle now. So okay. there's no danger of Sylvie, like, yeah. pulling these books out. But she was really into, like, the notion of romance and living, living happily ever after. So, and she, you know, she daydreamed about her future. 
and she you know, she had big ideas about romance and love and that kind of thing. She was just a bit a bit soft, and she just, ah, just loved the oh. idea of it. She also particularly liked to look at the Lonely Hearts column. Um, oh, okay. And I had to just I did a little Google, and I was just looking at some examples of Lonely Hearts column things, especially like older ones, because I just wanted to see what people would write, and. <laughs> This one particularly stood out to me. I just want to quite <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Matrimonial advertisement. The following curious matrimonial advertisement appeared the other day in a French provincial journal. A young girl, 17 years of age, who knows how to make good soup, desires to marry someone, no matter who, and will not even object to a person with a broken leg. <laughs> I make good soup and I wish to be married. <laughs> I don't even care if you have a broken leg. <laughs> no broken arms. No. One, just... broken air, one broken leg is acceptable. I, I, I mean, you know, how dry are your hands? Because I keep hearing you. Like, are they really bad? Like, what, Can't what, help I can it. I'm just a bit itchy arms, today. I can hear you rubbing your face. Sorry. I'm a bit... Ru- I am. Oh, sandpaper hands? God, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm fidgeting a lot today. Are you okay? I think I'm fine. God, oh, now I'm, I'm going to sit on my hands. Okay. No, it's just like, how dry are they? They so are pretty enough, dry. Enough noise for I do, to hear it. They were really dry the other day. I need to get some really lather dry. myself. I'm very surprised. So Helen is really big on, like, skin. Oh, no. Like, and so if I if I ever am going to meet Helen, I always make sure I've got my SPF on. Because I can see it on like your skin. Sniff it out. Yeah. <laughs> your skin barrier is not protected. <laughs> but for you to dry... Go back. So for you to have dry hands. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Me. i tell you what also, I've noticed a nice tangent, but I've got a few spots on my chest here, and that's my hypochondriac. I'm like, ah. Uh, You've been tanning dying. a lot recently. I tan all the time. Yeah, there I you go. I don't know. A lot of these Lonely Hearts column things are quite short and punchy. Yeah, because you had to pay per letter. Right. So, if you had to be in a Lonely Hearts column, what would you write? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> okay. What's my situation? Oh, you're just single. Me now? Yeah. Is Baker dead? This is your imaginary Lonely Hearts column, so you can say oh. whatever you want. Oh, well, I'd have G-S-O-H immediately. What does that mean? Good sense of humour. Oh, is that what it means? Yeah. Ah. There's all kinds of abbreviations, but that's the only one that really stuck in my brain. Okay. Female, 30s, G-S-O-H, seeks, anyone, no broken leg. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone with penis. (laughs) Desperate. (laughs) (laughs) Must have pulse. (laughs) Preferably with two eyes. I only say that because, and I'm not discriminating, but one time a guy with one eye hit on me. He'd come into the shop I worked with yeah I worked in he'd come in regularly to talk to me Mm. and it was so sweet but he just was all like it was really uncomfortable like he didn't do it in like a nice way oh dear and so now I just I can't I can only associate like one eye with him (laughs) that's pretty prejudice you know I I know I I absolutely know it is and I know it's awful and I'm not saying that any like you know but it's just it's just that is tied to that memory is tied to him now and he had you need to have some positive one eye experiences yeah he had a particular smell okay he had a particular just a particular like and it just and i you know what when it first started i was like oh he's a nice guy and then it just it got it got weird okay yeah and like to the point where like people would text me from work and be like oh he came in asking for you today oh okay and then so it would get to the point where like i 
you know, oh, he's he'd come over the radio like he's here, and I'd get to go and hide in like a. Yeah, fair. That is a bit odd, isn't it? Oh, so nice, but it's just such a shame because, like, genuinely, until it got a bit weird, it was nice to chat to him. Yeah. Then it became a bit match. Yeah. Oh, do you want me to read my bio? I'll put. I'll read you my bio in my my dating profile. Yeah, you've got a Tinder profile. Well, Bumble. Yeah, ready. So you've. This is your. Yeah, but you don't have like a. I feel like if it was in a paper, you can't go into as much detail. No, but I would just pay the extra because, ready? So Helen's got half a page. She's got half a page in the paper. Yeah, I've got, a, and a full, I've got a full spread, with right? A, with a, a picture with as well. With an artist's drawing. Yeah. Okay, mine says, online creative and entrepreneurial plate spinner. Oof. Musician and podcaster, mother of two sausage dogs, loves good food, the outdoors, a tasty pint, road trips, live music, drawing, movies, and Ron Swanson. Passionate with a zest for life. And then I've put rock hands. I like that, but I think that's quite intimidating. Is it? Good. Well, you sound like a powerhouse because you Good. are a powerhouse. Well, I know. I'm just, gonna, I'm just putting exactly. it straight out there. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm like and that's then, an impressive woman. Damn. And then it says, I quote too much from, because it gives you prompts. I quote too much from King Curtis. <laughs> and it, I'm known for having tiny hands, big heart. And then what makes a relationship great is great communication, physical chemistry, lots of fun, laughter and understanding. Oh, I like that. That's very yeah. honest. I also like that there's no, you know, what makes a great relationship great? Me. Yeah. You know, or like the bullshit answers. Like. The bullshit where they're trying to be funny and I just find... Or some... some I've noticed that on some, especially with London boys, no offence, some of them are so nonchalant. I'm like, why are you even here? Like, they yeah. just put zero effort and they just think that being kind of funny and, like, not give a fucky is going to get them somewhere. But I'm like, don't bother. Do those <laughs> boys just want to get their dick wet, though? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Oh, so- don't ever say that. I hate that term. Ah! It's gross because it's gross. Before we go any further, we need to talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode, BetterHelp. Yes, this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Now, you might think that you need to have a specific problem or crisis before you give therapy a try, but that couldn't be further from the truth. That's right. Therapy is for anybody at any time in your life that feels right. Sometimes you're faced with some tough choices when thinking about your career, relationships or just general life stuff. Therapy can help you figure out what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward feeling confident and excited about the path ahead. I know that for me, therapy, like particularly when I had Sylvie, just like, or when I was pregnant with Sylvie, just working out, like, as you can hear. We have the baby we with us. Baby. <laughs> Hello, Sylvie. So, so I know that for me, like, when I was pregnant with Sylvie, it was really anxiety-inducing. Like, my life was about to change massively. And I had no idea, like, what to expect. And just being able to sort of talk, have a sounding board almost about, like, just talking through what I'm afraid of, what might happen, what the best case scenario is and why I shouldn't be afraid of that was really helpful for me and I was always I think I'll always be really grateful for that. Therapy's always helped me also navigate like life choices, especially when it comes to like career or like how to like what the next steps are kind of helps me figure out and talk through my anxieties about it and my worries and just have a different perspective or someone else like yeah, someone on not involved in your life giving you a bit of 
perspective, I suppose. Yeah, I think it? it's nice, isn't it, to have that sort of extra voice to just be like, do you know what? Your worries are rational. Like, it's natural to be, like, concerned about this and just give you that space to be like, okay, what am I actually worried about? What mm-hmm. am I actually scared of in and this situation? And where is it coming from? And then yeah. just figuring those things out and yeah. lining out those things. So and then, definitely... Yeah, and you can just be like, this is a good idea. Yeah. And that's so lovely to get to that point of this is a good idea yeah yeah i can't say it's happened to me that often (laughs) (laughs) so if you're thinking you might be ready to give therapy a try better help can match you with a licensed therapist within days you just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched and switching therapists is free and really easy if you need to do so and the best part is that because it's online only you can make therapy fit into your life whenever you like and wherever you like so it's accessible and stress-free as you need it to be let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash DITD to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash DITD. Right, let's get back to Nanny. Lonely Hearts columns. Mm-hmm. I could read those for days. Yeah, they're adorable. But I think at the time, because also let's think about it, early 20th century. Yeah. When you're like what 22 23 and i'm married you're in spinster territory aren't yeah you? i love the word spinster i just think it's i i think it sounds great um because <laughs> i always think of a lizzie bennett from pride and prejudice she's a spinster okay but she's also one of my favorite characters ever right so like you have to really you don't just put a lonely hearts column out there you know it's serious serious yeah yeah and that's the thing that people will do it's the only thing that people will do Apart from being like set up, yeah, I suppose can't be set up. Well, there's no, there's no potential suitors in your in there's no realm. Well, there's also no like speed dating or no like singles. Clubs. Yeah, it's not like she's so, going to work to find. Yeah, you're not going to go to like if you don't have a job. It's all very um like secular, isn't it? Like yeah. If you, if there's nobody in your village, what are you going to do? Exactly. You're going to be a spinster, unless you. And the like, whole thing seems like a transaction. Like you apply to the their ad and you write a couple of letters and then you meet and then it's like okay that we are now dating like We're it sure. just just seems the intended yeah. you are yeah. intended yeah because it's effort you have to go to the lengths of writing and all that you know it takes time it does sound romantic it does but she loved it but anyway right there's such potential for like a good romance trope in a lonely hearts column oh yeah yeah and i'm sure there i'm sure there is many stories successful stories but right okay Back to the story. So she was only quite she was quite young when she got into like reading all of these and like the novels. But her dad would stop them from wearing makeup and fancy clothes and going to dances, as apparently it reduced the risks of them getting molested. But it also stopped her from meeting people. So she, but she was desperate for romance. I think that's why she took yeah. you know fancy to the to the, to these columns. She did, however, start working in a linen factory, where she met her first husband, Charlie Braggs. She was only 16 years old. Charlie Braggs. Charlie Braggs. And they got married after dating for only four months. Romance. I know. She said, I married as my father wished in 1921 to a boy I only knowed about four or five months who had no family, only a mother who was unwed and who had taken over my life completely when we were married. She'd never seen anything wrong with what she'd done, but she would take spells she would not let my own mother stay all night. So she had a very, very controlling mother and 
yeah, mother-in-law. So she was the kind of person that if Nanny wanted to go out, she'd get, <coughs> I'm sick. <laughs> and like, she wouldn't be able to go out. Ugh. So she was always there, always watching. Okay. Right, she was pretty much. Oh, and she's only 16, so like, you know, she's yeah, a kid. She, exactly, like, she's just a bit yeah. much, so. But whilst this was happening, Nanny and Charlie Boy had four daughters Blood from yeah. 1923 to 1927. So that is like back to back. Bloody right, hell. That's like one a year. Four under four. She's, she's either pregnant or she's given birth, basically. Yeah. I cannot even imagine having that many small children. Exactly. So this took a toll on Nanny. As it would. Well, being yeah. pregnant, giving birth, being pregnant, giving birth, and then adding another child to care for to the mix each time and having a mother-in-law. So you've had a baby, yeah. then you've got to have another one. You've got to look after the previous baby. You know what I mean? So they're all infants that require a lot of attention. And so... It's so hard just looking after one. And, like, right now, you know, Sylvie's six months, and I'm like... I can't even imagine being pregnant right now and having to chase after. Like, yeah. She doesn't even move yet. No. But she will do soon. Mm-hmm. And, like, she'll be so sleep-deprived. Yeah. She'll be at the end of her tether. And she's got a really annoying mother-in-law. Yeah. Who's so probably she... telling her she's doing it all wrong. Exactly. It? Probably. So, Nanny took up to smoking and drinking quite a bit. <laughs> right? She's stressing. And Charlie got fed up, too, with the whole situation. So he would leave for days and weeks at a time. But in 1927, the couple lost their second and third daughters to suspected food poisoning. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. And feeling a little wary and, sus- you know, suspicious about it, Charlie left with the eldest daughter and they got a divorce. What about the youngest daughter? So, Charlie's mum died soon after. And Nanny took a job in a cotton mill to support herself and the firstborn, or the newborn, sorry, her newborn, Florine. So she kept their newest baby. He took the oldest baby. So she took a job to support them both. So Charlie did, however, return with the eldest daughter. So it was then Melvina, Florina Nanny. So he came back. Dropped. They're lovely names. I know. They did have really good names, yeah. to be fair. So oh, she, they poor two So she, he's dropped off Melvina back at home, gone off again. So Nanny's now got her firstborn and her lastborn to look after. So she's working and caring for the children, but her heart is lonely again. So Nanny puts an ad in the Lonely Hearts column and met Robert Franklin Harrelson. And he sent her romantic poetry. She sent him a cake. Okay. <laughs> but she was also known for sending naughty photos and letters. Yes. So I'm not sure how it worked Nanny. back then. Oh like, my how did they? T- she like it's not like they had cameras just just there for people's like. So how do you take a racy photo and send it? Yeah, but in those days, is a racy photo like she lifted her skirt? To her like this, my ankle. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Or is it my like, wrist? <laughs> or is it tits in the wind? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Here's my pasta. A boudoir uh, shoot, but it's like, set it all up. Okay, I'll push the thing, run back, do the pose. Yeah, it yeah. Goes, stay still for ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, though it does its thing. Okay, that's interesting. That so. Yeah, but, where someone take them for her? 
I don't know. I don't feel like photography was something that you could do yourself. Well, also, like, also because, you know, that kind of stuff was sort of, ooh, back then. Who on earth would agree to take the racy pictures? Like a photographer. That would be a, that's what I mean, a lot of effort. Oh How God. do they do that? Maybe she just, like, drew some... Here are my boobs. <laughs> Drawing her. <laughs> this is a picture of what my boobs look like. <laughs> 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 Please reply soon. Daddy. Nice tits. This is what my penis looks like. <laughs> but you know how everybody draws the dick with like a few hairs on the board. <laughs> a couple of bits of chips. <laughs> I want you here. Wish you were here. <laughs> And married in 1929 when she was 24 and they lived together in Jacksonville with Nanny's two daughters. After a few months she discovered that he was an alcoholic and he had a criminal record for assault. Oh no. Despite this they stayed together for now. So starts to get just a bit fucking wild now. So let's fast forward to 1943. Nanny's eldest daughter Melvina gave birth to a little boy Robert Lee Hayes his name was. Haynes? Haynes? It was quite painful labour and Melvina needed the support from her mother so Nanny goes and stays with her to help out. However, the newborn baby died. Melvina thought she saw Nanny stick a hat pin into the baby's head. (gasps) The doctors, however, could not give a positive explanation. However, when Melvina, who at the time of the baby's death was really exhausted and, and didn't know if she was seeing things, or like, you know, she'd made it up, like she didn't know if she'd had seen that happen. But when she asked her husband and sister if she was being delirious and for their input, they actually confirmed that they too had seen Nanny holding a hat pin. What So the fuck? Yeah, so... Oh my, oh my God. Yeah, who right. does that? So, one thing I learned, like, in the first few days of being a mum, uh-huh. is that your brain goes fucking wild. Your brain? Yeah, and, like, so I had Sylvie, and I was in hospital for three days afterwards, and got no sleep. Like, I literally had maybe three hours sleep the whole time we were there. By the time we got back, we got sent home from hospital at, like, nine at night, and by the time we got home... I was so tired, I actually couldn't tell what was real. And I genuinely, I remember I was, Baker was changing Sylvie and I was trying to ask him questions. Like we were trying to have a conversation and he was just ignoring me. And I was got really fucking annoyed. Like I got, I was irate. Mm. Like I was so annoyed, why are you ignoring me? Like, and it's because I had actually fallen asleep and not realized. And I wasn't saying any words. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so then I woke up without realising I'd woken up. And I was like, Baker, like, why? I'm, tra- I'm trying to talk to you. And he was like, no, you've just been lying there sort of going. Mm. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? Was, is, is this real right now? Like, uh, I, could, I just could not. I was delirious. I could not tell what was real. So I can understand that. Like, why would my mother be there with a? Why would my mother put a hat pin in my baby? Yeah. But. You've got this tiny baby, right? And my brain just kept being like, I'm going to walk through that door and hit her head and it's going to cave in. I'm going to, you know, like, accidentally put my finger through her soft spot in her head. (gasps) And all of this, like, my brain is just constantly like, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, 
this mm-hmm. again happened because mm-hmm. I was so frightened of like you know because you don't know this like, yeah anything now and so there was all kinds of thoughts like what if the ceiling just fell in right now and just squashed her flat yeah like and that thought of something piercing her head like particularly the soft spot and it took ages before I'd even brush her hair because I was so scared of like accidentally what if I push too hard smash her brain in and but that is it's really difficult to do like yeah 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 yeah. but I think everything in over is goes into overdrive because you're like I have to keep this thing that I love so much beyond all reason I have to keep her alive yeah and that's terrifying so the thought of somebody else doing that yeah has also occurred what if somebody comes in and just steals my baby like saw and decides to like push something into her head or whatever like and I've had that visual and it's this is a very long story for a very short point I'm so sorry but that it's just it's fucking horrific that level I think there's violence Mm -hmm. and then to do something like that to a particularly a newborn baby that is one of the most defenseless creatures in the whole entire world I don't even think it's violent. It's not even, it's so incomprehensible to me that that is even possible for somebody to just do that. Yeah, not even like, bat what, an eyelid. What, what, it's, it's not even sick. It's not even deranged. It's beyond, it's beyond words. Yeah. What, how, how awful that is. I just, I think the one thing that I don't really get from this story, which I didn't seem to find when I was researching, but like, how do they not notice a, a piercing hole? Like, how do they pins, not? Hat pins are very thin, aren't they? Yeah, I just don't. I just like, don't get how they could not have picked up on that. But maybe, she got away with it. Like, maybe they, a big newborn would maybe it wouldn't really bleed. I don't know. The grief took a toll on Melvina, and her and her husband drifted apart, caused some issues, and so Melvina started seeing a soldier. Nanny did not approve of this which would result in them fighting quite a bit, her and Melvina. But whilst Melvina was away visiting her father, her son, Robert, her other, she had her other son, her son, Robert, died mysteriously Stop under it. Nanny's care in 1945. The death was diagnosed as asphyxia, which is a condition arising when the body is deprived of oxygen, causing unconsciousness of death or suffocation. And then two months later, Nanny collected a $500 life insurance check she had taken out on Robert, which is very suspicious. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Why? Why? I know. Uh, who even takes life insurance out on a child? I know. I mean, maybe back then, actually, child mortality, infant mortality mm. or something. But Right. I know. So cashed in on this check. So it's 1945. And what happened in 1945? The war ended. Exactly, right? So Nanny's husband, Robert Franklin Harrelson, was out celebrating the end of the war. And he got shit-faced, basically. I mean, it, what a thing to celebrate, the end of the yeah, war. You're going to go out with a bang, aren't you? I reckon that's a hell of a party. I know. That was you last Friday. Oh, um, <laughs> so he went home and he demanded sex, which she refused. And in his drunken state, bear in mind, he has a past in drunken violence. He raped her. No. Yeah. So the next morning, she decided to put rat poison in his corn whiskey jar. And later that evening, he was dead. Um, So 
She told the authorities he died from his alcoholism, which back then they were just like, okay, cool, right, Technically sure. not a lie. It's not he a lie. because he drank the whiskey. Yeah, but they weren't going to look into it, and she was so sweet and nice that they were just like, yeah. So another ad goes into the Lonely Hearts column. There she meets Arlie Lanning. So whilst travelling through Lexington, North Carolina, and after three days, she married him. Wow. I know. Crazy. So he was also an alcoholic and a womanizer. Right. I'm starting to think that the Lonely Hearts column is not the place to meet no, a good person. No. Like, because Nanny's not a good person and she keeps marrying not good people. I know. Yeah. That's why they've got Lonely Hearts, because they, oh, they can't, it's they can't, they can't, awful. can't keep them down. Right. And But to be fair, she keeps murdering her husband, so. And you don't, you just leave <laughs> out of the ad. Yeah. <laughs> Killed three of my husbands. Yeah. Who's next? Four times widow. Yeah. Too don't, many letters. Don't touch the prunes. It's a very expensive ad. Yeah. This time, she would be the one that would leave for weeks on end. So she's pretty fed up of him being a dick, so she would just leave but she'd come back and perfectly play the role of the doting housewife i would just like to point out that nanny had a very sweet and innocent demeanor and so like she would just come across as the most loveliest cute like kind of lady so she would go away and come back and you know the people the townsfolk would just see her being a loving caring wife I never, ever suspected her of anything, like, out, you know, naughty or dodgy. But he died of apparent heart failure. And at the funeral, the community were very, very supportive of her because she was just such a, a lovely, a lovely, pleasant woman. So um, afterwards, upon finding out the family home was, in fact, had been left to her husband's sister and not nanny... Uh-huh. It mysteriously burnt down. Gosh, she's... What an unlucky woman. I know. And who checked in on the insurance claim? Fucking hell, really? Yeah! Was insurance fraud just really easy to get away with? Yeah, and clearly burning down houses. Is this why insurance fraud is such a thing now? Right. It all started with just one person, you know, sets a fire to take the money. Yeah. And now... You know, it's really difficult to get insurance claims. How does that not look suspicious, though? Like, oh, he didn't leave it to me in his will. Oh, it's burning oh, down. No, it's so, it? so flammable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Na- a Nanny, did you set the house on fire? No. no. <laughs> did you? <laughs> no. So she left God. North Carolina shortly after, and the mother-in-law also died shortly after. People are just popping down like flies, man. Yeah, wow. So she then joined the Lonely Hearts Club once again. Oh, my God. And she met and married Richard L. Morton of Jamestown, North Carolina. He was also a womanizer. Of course he was. Right, but I'm dead against Lonely Hearts now. I know. All my romantic tropes. I did like Soup Lady, though, so I bet she's quite nice. She's only 17, so she can't have a lot of baggage. I hope that she found a good person. Yeah, with 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 any number of legs. Yeah. Any number of legs. (laughs) But this is where it, like, gets a bit out of hand. So before her new husband's impending doom, she killed her own mother... Whilst she was caring for her, she had a hip, a hip operation. So she poisoned her. 
in January of 1953. But then her husband Morton died three months later on May 19th, 1953. Also poison. And was it confirmed that they were poisoned? Oh or? yeah, I mean like yeah, later it was, oh, okay. but like at this, at this point, no one like, banned oh, an eyelid; they're just, just dying. Died. Yeah. Okay. So Nanny collected five life insurance policies on Morton, Bloody worth hell. one thousand four hundred dollars, approximately fifteen thousand nine hundred forty-six dollars today. One thing that uh, kind of tickled me a, a bit was. Imagine working in life insurance and Nanny's calling up again. <laughs> yeah. That's Nanny again. I'm sure that name, I'm sure that name rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably like, oh, hi, Nanny, how was your holiday? Oh, yeah, good. Who's got this time? Yeah. <laughs> Who's popped off this time? Don't need to give us your bank deets. I've learned it yeah. off by heart. I'll just ping it over. You're still in the same place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, speak to you next year. Bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so two of her sisters died the same year in different towns. So each collapsed whilst Nanny was visiting, each with the same mysterious symptoms of stomach cramps and convulsions. So it's, right, so it's time for the epilogue now. Is nobody, like... How does anybody tie this all together? Like, something... It's gonna... It's coming. Is, is it? It's coming. Okay, great. Because bear in mind, she, she is, like, the sweetest. If you watch... Yeah, people keep dying! I know, but, like, if you watch interviews of Nanny... Like, they're on the, like, proper old. Are they? Yeah, like, she's, like, she's so fucking sweet, man. You would just not, never have guessed it. This reminds me of Dorothea Puente. Yeah, Dorothea. Yeah. But everybody was like, oh, you know, nice lady. She's, like, so sweet. But that's why, well, I'll get to it. I guess it's, like, this is, like, the vampire complex, isn't it? You know, like, she's the perfect, she's disguised. She's, she's... By her own... By her own sweet demeanour. Yeah. So... This is the beginning of the end. So Nanny married Samuel Doss of Tulsa, Oklahoma, in June 1953. A lot is happening in 1953. People are dropping dead and she's getting married again. So They also met on an Only Hearts Cub column. But Samuel disapproved of the romance novels and stories that his wife adored. Imagine Baker burning all the erotic novels. So Samuel Doss repeatedly became ill with stomach ailments and in the October he ended up in the hospital with severe stomach ache and the doctors couldn't work out what was wrong with him. When Sam recovered and went home, Nanny fixed him a bowl of stewed prunes and a cup of coffee. Like that's going to make it, regardless... It's going to give you the shits, man. Even if you're not trying to kill him, right? He's just had a load of stomach issues. What are you trying to get him to? What, what are you trying to do? And that will make a normal person shit through the eye of a needle. Right, isn't it? So Sam was dead the next day. Well, of course. He and Nanny had been married four months. This sudden death alerted his doctor, who ordered an autopsy. So the autopsy revealed a huge amount of arsenic in his system. Like I said previously, it was about enough to kill ten people. Oh my God. So Nanny was promptly arrested. She and wasn't even trying to hide it that time, was she? No, no. She was like, autopsies were a little bit more simple back in those days. So apparently they'd walk around, they'd walk around it, and they'd come out in the front yard and talk about it. And they'd say, oh, yeah, 
Old Harry killed himself. It's a suicide. Then the Justice of the Peace would just sign it off. So that was a quote by Ray Blakeney, a former medical examiner. They just thought, oh, you just got bashed on that. Okay, cool. They, they just didn't really look into things that much, which is probably why she got away with it for so long. Yeah, but they yeah. did order an autopsy because his doctor was a little bit like, what the fuck, he's just died. I mean, at least finally somebody has... Yeah. This is a bit odd. So... In Oklahoma, authorities who wanted to perform an autopsy needed the permission of of the family or a court order if there was a, a suspected foul play. But Nanny, for some reason, was just like, yeah, go for it. Did she not understand what they were doing? I don't know, but she, that's apparently... something you'd be like, oh, no. Well, this is, she said, of course there should be. It might kill someone else. Like, she's still down the route of this is a stomach bug. <laughs> So they want to, like, make sure, you know, when the results of Doss's autopsy came back and they found all this arsenic, she denied at first killing her husband. But then the police began digging into her past and they found a string of deaths connected to her. So she she got caught up when she lied about ex-husband Ridget Morton claiming she didn't even know him. And then later she said... Well, I guess I wasn't telling the truth. Nanny confessed with a coy giggle. I was married to him. <laughs> so she was just like, no, I don't know this guy. And then and then later on, she was like, no, I lied. I was married to him. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah. So this is why she's called the giggling granny, because in interviews with the police, she just giggled about everything. She just laughed about all these things. She was yeah. just so, she was just so kind of sweet and like played this sort of innocent. She would just laugh about like it, 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 because you know you think what is the motive here? What is she just like a really angry person with a, a taste for blood and has like a really significant reason for wanting to kill all these people? I just think there's nothing behind those eyes. Like there's just there's no wrong here. It feels like she just gets tired of people and then it's like, okay, I'm di- I'm tired of you now or you're making me tired, I'm, bye. Yeah, but there's no remorse, there's no feeling there. But she, and when people ask her about it, she just kind of giggles about so, it. Poison is quite a detached way of, like, killing people as well. Like, you don't have to, there's no, like, physical you violence. To, no. You don't have to act, like, in a way, like, you don't have to actively... You just pop it in there and wait yeah. for it to do its thing and, and then can, they're dead. So I think it's really easy for you to detach yourself yeah. from like, oh, well, I didn't kill him, the rat poison. Yeah. And, and it's know. also, it's not it's not always guaranteed because you don't know if you're going to give them the right... Do- they might they might just get really unwell. It's yeah. always a gamble. You know? Maybe maybe she liked that. Like, yeah. But, yeah, so she was called the giggling granny because she just kind of found the interviews quite funny and fun so over the next couple of days she spilled the beans on all of her murders and she was adamant however that she only poisoned people who deserved it and none of the deaths of her relatives were due to poisoning he sure did love those stewed prunes she said about one husband oh my god nanny admitted feeding dos the prunes around the time of his death but but some accounts have her confessing that the final dose of poison was administered in a cup of coffee so was it the prunes or the coffee? Who knows? So she laughed and giggled whilst recounting the events. Even and the children. Uh, I, I'm not sure, but there was... Oh, the children. I know. Think of the children. On May 18th, 1955, Doss pleaded guilty to Sam's murder and was sentenced to life in prison. And then in 1965, Nanny died of leukaemia at the age of 59. So that was... Nanny Doss, 
grand giggling granny. She died of leukemia. Oh. Wow. Bone cancer, in it. Painful. That's that. Yes, that, she is. That is mad. And it's just there's no, there is no proper why. Just she, not really. No. She did. She, she just did, did it. The children. It's awful. That's a really bad one. That's bad. That's a bad. Yeah. One. Bad. Bad granny. So I go. These. These people are inconveniencing me now. I'm just going to get rid of them. But this is what I mean. Like, there's so much written on her that is all very similar. And everybody that's reporting her, it's all very similar. So there's not really that much to say about motive. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's all over from speculation if she yeah. did so many interviews and stuff. Like, it does, it just really does feel like she grew tired of people. Yeah. And like just sort of they became disposable unless yeah. they could benefit her, you know, just through got... life insurance policies. I think also maybe she just got used to how easy it was to find another husband. So it was like, yeah. oh, this one's not really, this, this one can fuck off. I'm going like, to find another one right in the lonely hair. It's going to find someone else. That sort of ever, it's almost like the American dream of romance. Isn't yeah. It? Like there will be my, you know, life changing love. Perhaps she never, she, she found it difficult to form connections with people because they were so disposable to her. Like, she didn't really care about them. Yeah. Like, with everybody that's in, in her life, it didn't seem like she gave a shit about them at all. I wonder if, like, the first time she got married, you know, there's this ideal of, I'm getting married, you know, I'm going to live happily ever after, everything's yeah, going to be yeah. lovely. And it didn't then, work out like that. Yeah, it didn't work out like that. Four that's kids, awful. man, back to back. It's what? so that's so intense. That's so intense, and I could see how like postnatal psychosis could set in. Yeah, she's just had a baby. Killing two of her children seemed like a good idea. Yeah, at the time, that absolutely doesn't make it okay. But that's the only one that I can see how maybe she wasn't fully in control of her actions. Mm. Like even. I guess some people don't love their children. I don't, I don't, I don't, some people don't, do they? No. Some people can't. Yeah. I just can't, I just can't, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine that the, the hat pin and the baby is really going to stay with me for a while. That makes me like, it brings a like, I feel like it brings vomit up to my uh, throat. Yeah. I not nice, not just, nice. Just don't, just get, take it out of your mind. I take it out of your mind. It's that and the, the atmosphere. And the, oh, this has been a bad session for you. It's bad session for me. Go, 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 let's do some tonight. distracting. Nightmare factory tonight. Yeah. I'm going to have to have a... I don't know what I can Eat have. some cheese. No, don't eat cheese. That'll make, it, make worse. it worse. Just well, sleep again. Yeah. Okay. Great. Fabulous. And on that note... So I hope that wasn't too bad, everybody. And you're still here. Hello. Thank you for being patient with yeah. us. <laughs> if you got this far, well done. <laughs> yeah. So uh, next time on Devils in the Dark with me, Helen Anderson. And me, Danny Howard. We're going to be looking at the murders of John List and we're going to remember to plug the laptop in. Yes, yes, we will. So subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you never miss an episode of Devils in the Dark. And don't forget, you can find us on Instagram at Devils in the Dark. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please do check out the description for lots of helpful resources. Bye-bye. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you. Bye-bye.